ಚಿತ್ತಸ್ಯಪದೇನವಾಚಾಂಜಲಿಸ್ಮಿ in the last class actually in the last few classes two three classes we were studying the concept of the transformation of the mind which has been enunciated in the yoga sutra as parinam parinama means transformation and we found that this spoke of three transformation three stages of transformation the first was termed as ekagra parinama the next was samadhi parinama and the third was nirodha parinama what it actually uh, meant by these three terms ekagra parinama that we cannot think of having a qualitative meditation at the very beginning it has to go on in stages in steps and we should have sufficient patience and we have to persevere again and again and the process of transformation of the mind is very gradual almost unnoticed but it is something which is happening and that's why we should have patience and perseverance and with purity we should go on pursuing that's what swami vivekananda indicated by 3p that the crux of all our spiritual sadhana lies in this 3p purity patience perseverance with purity what's the purity means that i'm trying again and again to keep my mind in some sublime thoughts elevated thoughts which has nothing to do with our day to day existence in the sensual plane in the sensual plane it is more in the world of contemplation where the spirit is worshiping the spirit in the words of the bible we can say that way so it's a pure that the sense that you are a spiritual being you are not this psychophysical existence trying to relate to that dimension and try to contemplate on that idea it can be actually described in various ways like like in the vedanta many will be contemplating on the idea aham brahmasmi i am that absolute non dual reality so that's the way you are negating your psychophysical existence and trying to contemplate on your spiritual dimension again and again and again so this is the process which you will find is not easy at the beginning you will find that very easily the distractions they come and disturb your meditation that is quite obvious because that was our way of life that was that is the sarvartha has been spoken of sarvartha the mind has various pursuits and i was quite happy with all those pursuits and now when the awareness came that i have to make it ekagra one pointed by constantly repeatedly thinking of my spiritual ideal i have to just go on repeating swadhyaya i find the mind gets easily distracted why that because the subconscious mind is much stronger than our conscious mind whatever i am trying to think consciously in uh, with my conscious mind is something very feeble very weak the strong impressions of my subconscious mind like the bubbles from the bottom of the reservoir comes and breaks the calmness of the surface of the lake called mind that's constantly happening there's a very funny incident related by ramakrishna that one person was forcefully converted to some other religion 
And when he was converted, he was asked to repeat the mantra or the syllable which is befitting to that other religion. And now this poor fellow was the worshipper of the Divine Mother. And now, though he was repeating the syllable which is something suitable for the other religion, now and then it was interrupted by the chant of the mother. And now the one who converted him, they came, they became very much angry. They came and told that, that we will just simply smash you, kill you, if you again repeat the name of the mother. Now this man very nicely told one thing, please forgive me. The syllable which you have asked to repeat, it's just up to the throat. It's just, I'm just repeating with my tongue. But from beneath the throat, my entire body is filled with the name of the Holy Mother, of the Divine Mother. And that mother now and then is as if thirsting out, pushing out the syllable which you have asked me to repeat. So in Bengali, he told that Jagadamba is pushing out, thirsting out. This is the way he jokingly is saying the same idea, the power of the subconscious mind, which is constantly pushing out your ikagra vritti. But we need not get disheartened. Constantly we have to go on trying again and again. Why? Because how that mind got saturated with all those distractions, that sometimes I have thought them consciously something which I like. Suppose I'm sitting for meditation and suddenly the thought of, say, that any delicacy comes to your mind. You have actually consciously, for the first time, enjoyed that delicacy. Maybe it's the donut. You have enjoyed some time. It's not that the donut is the thing which was already in your mind. For the first time, consciously, someone told, it's something, a wonderful test. Come, let's test it for the first time. Consciously, you did it. It went to the subconscious mind. So anything which is in your subconscious mind has entered through the conscious mind. So that's how the subconscious mind has got saturated. So the only way I can cleanse my subconscious mind is by trying something new, which would enter through the conscious mind. At the beginning, I will find that the force of the subconscious is very strong. It is throwing out my conscious attempt, but I need not be disheartened. Why? Because I know each and every at attempt, in spite of failure, is creating an impression which is going to my subconscious mind. It's a very subtle process. It's maybe not visible. Just the example which we gave, a stone, a coarse stone lying on the bed of the river over which the water is flowing, the stream is flowing. At any point of time, there is no change. But in hundreds of years, that same core stone becomes something like the, Shiv, the Shivalinga, very smooth. All the angularities has been resolved. It has become something very plain, very smooth. How it has happened? Something liquid like water was flowing over something hard like rock. Apparently there was no change, but the change was happening unperceptively to change something like a, a coarse lock, rock to an adorable shivalinga. Similarly, this mind, which at present is like the monkey mind, can become the mind of the Shiva, can become the mind of the realized soul. The same mind that Sri Ramakrishna used to say that the domesticated cat, you leave it in the forest, for a few days, it becomes the wild cat, the same cat. Or you take out, take the wild cat and bring and domesticate it, it becomes the domesticated cat. What he wants to mean, that is the same mind. When the training, the wild mind can be trained to get domesticated and this happens in time. And that's the thing which has been spoken of as the first Parinama. Through gradual practice, at last you find that the concentrated state of your mind, the one-pointedness of your mind is becoming habitual. That's why Swami Vivekananda used to say, the proof that you are progressing spiritually is this only one proof. And that is something subjective. What is that? You know it for certain that you can spend more and more time 
in that sublime level without getting strength. At the beginning, the distraction was very easily. It was something habitual and you also get strength. Just the way when you are for the first time, you're just using the dumbbell, you're using wet uh, to uh, strengthen your muscle. After a few attempts, you find your muscle gets strength. Similarly, the mind gets strength. But you find just the way the muscle gets strength here also, the mind also gets strengthened gradually. And you will find what is happening. Gradually, you will find that the mind is getting more and more concentrated. So this is the thing which has been indicated as, this is the thing which has been indicated as that ekagra parinam. So gradually you are, this mind is getting concentrated, ekagra, gradually. And a time comes, you will find it happens in our spiritual journey that I think that, oh, today I had a wonderful concentration. Till now, I was not enjoying meditation. And for the first time, I get a wonderful meditation and I have an idea. Oh, my mind has transformed from tomorrow onwards. I'm going to have this very nice qualitative meditation. And you find your mind again reverts back to the old way. That's just for a short time it came, again it goes back. The main reason you know why? Very interesting that when we are meditating, we have an expectation that I should have a very, what do you say, the tranquil state of my mind. I will enjoy the tranquil state of mind. So as long as the mind is holding, holding onto something, you can never actually go to that state of let go. Even the expectation that I should have a good meditation is an expectation, is a desire that doesn't really allow you. And one day what happens that just habitually, as you meditate every day, there's some idea came to your mind that most probably I am not going to get good concentration, but just out of habit, I sit for meditation without any expectation. And the let go ensues, you get a wonderful concentration. And now again, that expectation comes back. Oh, today I got wonderful meditation, tomorrow again. So again, this struggle goes on till the real resignation comes. That I'm just sitting for meditation without any expectation. That's what this is, the spiritual journey is very subtle. Shankaracharya in Bhagavad Gita's commentary, he's mentioning that Ishwaropi me tushyatu iti sangang tyaktva. That even God be pleased with me, I have even not that expectation. That generally we sit for meditation with the idea God will be pleased with me, He will calm down, help me to calm down my mind and help me in communicating with Him, in realizing Him. Even that expectation you should leave out. As Holy Mother used to say, that after all, spiritual realization is His grace, God's grace. It doesn't depend on my practice. Then why do I practice? I practice because after all, I have understood this worldly way of life is not going to give me any satisfaction. And so I have left it. But what to do with this mind, with this free mind? Something I have to do. So I meditate. That as I have now renounced the worldly pursuits, mind cannot just stay simply empty. Mind is like water. If you, are, if you just leave it, it will flow down unless you pump it up. Unless you pump it up, it is just going to flow down. It cannot just stay in one place. You have to pump it up. The meditation is just to keep that thought in an elevated level. Why we meditate? This idea is everywhere. Even in Bible, you get the story of the 10 virgins. That speaks the purpose of meditation. What's the purpose? That the 10 virgins were waiting for the groom to come. That one of them, one of their friend was married and the groom was supposed to come. So they were waiting and one fell asleep. So when the groom came, the one who fell asleep couldn't see, couldn't see the groom. The idea is that the entire purpose of meditation is to be awake. When the groom comes, when the divine grace comes, we don't know, that is not in our hand. But unless I am awake, if I have fallen asleep, that realization won't happen. 
Sri Ramakrishna used to give another wonderful example that there were two farmers. One farmer just was a traditional farmer. His forefathers were also farmer. And the forefathers told, never listen to the, this weather forecast. Whatever may be the weather forecast, forget about it. Every year at a particular time, plow the field, plow the land. And other farmer was a bit educated. He thought that what's the use of plowing the land if there is no rain? So he saw the forecast that there is, there is not going to be any rain this year. He didn't plow the land. The other was not bothered about the forecast. Just his father has told, plow the land at such and such time, he plowed. And now the weather forecast proved, proved to be false. And there was suddenly a torrential rain. Now who is going to get the benefit? The one who has plowed the land. When the rain come is not in our hand. But unless I have plowed the land, I am not going to get the benefit. So this is the wonderful balance between Purushukara and Kripa. The grace is a big factor in a spiritual life. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't be trying in any way. Purushakara and Kripa. When the grace will come, I don't know. We find everywhere, even in one of the Tagore songs, very wonderful it has been told, that everyone has went out on the full moon night for picnic. But I am staying. I didn't go out. I am staying in my house alone. I have kept it very clean. And I myself am just waiting. Cleansed my house. And I am awake. Why I am waiting, I don't know when the beloved will come. So I have not moved out just for the picnic. I am waiting, cleansed my mind, awake, waiting when my beloved will come. That wonderful, that song is I am not just saying the words because many of you may not know, but the idea is this. So this is the thing which speaks of gradually that uh, changing the mind gradually, expectations come back again. The let go comes, and this let go becomes a habitual state, and then the mind becomes more and more concentrated till a time comes, a, a day may come, it may so happen that blessed moment that while meditating, you forgot yourself, you forgot about the world, you forgot about the time, you were totally absorbed with the object of meditation. That's the state of Samadhi. Swarupa Shunyaiva. That, that I am meditating. That Swarupa, that subjective experience, that has fallen off. Artha Matra Nirbhasa. Only the object of meditation. That is, uh, what you say, that enlivened in your mind. That's the state of Samadhi. So, through Ekagra Parinama, at last you may go to that state. But know it for certain, again, that samadhi matram in that state you cannot continue again the mind may come back to the ekagra state now you have already made that concentrated mind the habitual state but just to forget yourself and go and get absorbed in that samadhi for that again that practice has to go on till the time comes you will find when the mind is habitually getting to that samadhi state as we find in the life of Ramakrishna, as we find in the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as we find in any of the highly spiritually evolved soul, that the Samadhi state is something has become habitual. Very easily they go to that state. But that's not the final. Very interesting. After that comes the subjugation of the mind totally. Very interesting thing. Most of us don't understand that why when I am constantly in Samadhi with the idea that I am Brahman, I am the Atman, enjoying the bliss, what's the need even to transcend that? In the Yoga Sutra, there's the idea of Paravairagya, renunciation, supreme renunciation. That idea is wonderful. Just with a funny incident, we will try to relate what this Paravairagya is. Now your mind has been cleansed. No thought, even the thought of your limited amnes has gone. It goes again and again to that state of Samadhi, which is repeating, I am not the mind, I am Brahman. Who is doing that? Very interesting. It is the mind which is saying, I am not the mind. Still the mind is there. It is not that your real self, your real self is beyond the mind. 
So in Mundaka Upanishad, there is a wonderful term to indicate that who has reached that final state, the one who is not Ativadi, Ativada, that we most of the time, what we do, we speak something which is beyond our realization. Vada means word, Ati means to transcend. So we are all Ativada. When I say God, it is Ativada. I have not realized God. It is just a mere term for me. So when I say God, it is Ativada. I am saying something which is beyond my realization. The one who has realized, absolute realization has happened. He is Nativadi, Na Ativadi. Not his word never transcends, his speech never transcends his realization. So now, even the person who is in that samadhi, where is uh, what is it that amnes has also has fallen off constantly, that mind is repeating that I am Brahman. Know it for certain, still the mind is lingering with one thought I am Brahman. It is the mind. When you are saying I am not the mind, I am Brahman, it is the mind which is repeating it. So this is something which is Ativada. You are still speaking something which you have not realized. It's in that state when that para, where a supreme renunciation comes. What's that? That if it is the mind <clears throat> which is resulting in this phenomenal existence, actually I am the soul, the Atman, the conscious principle, which is beyond the mind. Why to even linger with this mind? Then that supreme renunciation comes when you try to suppress that thought and go to the state of that nirodha. I will just tell a funny story to understand this idea of ativada. What's happening with us, you know? When we were small children, I just related this funny story so many times previously, that when as a small children we used to play, there was a small girl, even younger than us. We were also small, they were still smaller. And she used to get scared very easily. Just make face, she will be scared and she starts crying and she will run to her mother. And one day we find that when we made some face, tried to scare her, she was as usual crying and running. Uh, he was running to, his, to her mother, but uh, that's the day we find she was mumbling something. So we were a bit curious what she's mumbling. We'd never realized what she's mumbling. So we also ran after her and reached the, her parents' place, the house, her house, and we asked that she is crying, but today she is mumbling something. She is saying something. What's she saying? We are curious to know about it. What her mother related, related is something very funny, that she gets scared so easily. So yesterday, hi, today, yesterday, I told her, I just told her, explained her, and told her whenever someone scares you, just inwardly you should say, what's there to fear? What's there to fear? And try to assert that what's there to fear? Now she has learned that sentence, what's there to fear? So next day, when we all scared her, as she was instructed, what's there to fear? That she was repeating and crying and running. <laughs> so what's there to fear? So what has happened? That she is has not realized what she's saying. So that's happened even in that Savikalpa Samadhi. I am not the mind, I am Brahman. Who is repeating? The mind. So there comes the question of Paravaraka. Why the Paravaraka comes? At that state, we will come to various states. Your, the past life starts reflecting. When what, what makes us forget the past life? Our tremendous attachment for the present. To give a common example, in a dark room with a projector, you are projecting some picture on a screen. And now you suddenly open the window. The light comes, will the picture be visible? No. Why? It is, is it not there? It is still there. But when we open the window, the light comes, this projection becomes feeble. It's as if shadowed by the external light. So similarly, in the subconscious mind, the pictures of our past life is there. But as long as the windows of our five senses are open and we are constantly interacting with the present world, there is so much of this light, of this conscious awareness, the subconscious is almost not visible. So in spiritual life, when you go to that state of samadhi, where all your biases has fallen off, all your immediate so-called responsibilities has no meaning for you, 
then the mind easily transgresses to the past. We will come even to a particular sutra which deals with it, most probably possible today itself. And when you go to the past, what you see? Little for lives together, what we were doing? We were born, our parents told us that try to uh, be a responsible person, study or whatever it may be, develop some skills, marry, have children. And then we find that as per our, the instructions of the parent, that's what we do. And after some time we reach a plateau, all the purpose of life we have achieved, then we don't know what to do with the life. A sense of willingness just comes, then the decay, old age, death follows. That I was doing repeatedly, repeatedly, life after life. What's the purpose? And that's the reason when the Paravairagya come. That as long as even the stress of mind is there, I will be just con con continuing with this useless pursuits in cycle of avidya kama karma. Ignorance results in desire, that results in action. Avidya, that kama karma. It goes in cycle for birth after birth. What's the use of it? It's no meaning. With this, the parav is extreme vairagya comes. Let me get rid of this mind. Even the bliss which comes from the thinking that I am the Brahman, that contemplation, let that also go. Let the mind be totally suppressed from all sorts of pratyas. And that leads to the nirodha state. Now again, that practice is required. Now your mind is full of that ekavritti. I am Brahman, I am Brahman. You're suppressing. Most probably after a practice, a few practice, one day you can arrest your mind for some time. But the subconscious mind is full of that ekavritti. They come and again break it. You start again thinking of that sublime thought. Again, it's suppressed. And that's how this suppressed state becomes more and more habitual. And at last, this results in the, this prati prasava, the dissolution of the mind. To give a common example, how it happens, the mind, if you take an example, is like a spring. In a spring, if you keep a weight, it will extend. You re release the weight, and again, it will go back to its original position because it is elastic. But there is something called elastic limit. If you keep a weight, it's a particular weight, an optimum weight, which the elastic cannot actually uh, help, which, which is something more than the elastic limit, then what will happen? The elastic will become plastic. The moment you remove the weight, you will find it cannot go back again to its original state. It has become permanently elongated. So that is the idea of elastic limit. Similarly, the mind has a limit when you're arresting the mind for some time, it again springs back to that thought, ekavritti. But if you go on arresting, 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 a time comes when the mind loses the capacity again to go back. Now it's pratiprasava. The way the mind has evolved, now it starts falling off. In the Yoga Sutra, the example will be given. Just the way a stone from the top of the mountain, when it is released, it just simply falls down the mind some starts getting dissolving back to its original constituents of the prakriti not to bind you anymore to let you render you freedom to raise the state of kaivalya so yoga sutra that's why in the last class also we are saying that this is the idea many of us don't like so yoga sutra says that what has what all stages are possible we have told now it's up to you to decide how much you do but you know what happens when we really go to that state of samadhi, then that paravairagya comes, then it comes. And then to release the mind is something very, very commonsensical. Not now. You know why? When Swami Vivekananda was delivering a lecture of that ultimate realization, when you go beyond the mind, someone, some lady was terrified. She stood up and told Swamiji, 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 what happens to our individuality? Just like a salt doll, it has gone to the ocean and merged. What happens to my individuality? I'm gone. And Swami Vivekananda told a very interesting thing. Madam, you are not individuals yet. <laughs> you become the individual when you reach that state. This, this such sentence sometimes I find that Swamiji is saying, I find that what is the meaning actually? But actually it's a wonderful meaning. You take the word individual, what it means? That which is not individual, that which cannot be divided. 
at present, the sense of individuality which we have is actually a congregation of constituents, panchakosha. This mind, body, senses, all these things constitutes the sense of me. So how can I be individual? So it can be divided into so many constituents. When you reach the state that you are the Atman, that cannot be divided. That is the real individual. That's why Swamiji is saying, Madam, you are not individual yet. So when you reach that state, then you will be an individual. And after saying that, this is also something a very high philosophic thought, which is very difficult for us to relate. Then the example Swamiji is giving is something wonderful. He says, Madam, we are like just small children, quite happy with the toys and with the chocolate. Someone comes and says the child, what's nonsense? You are just busy with these toys and chocolate. You have to grow. You have to be a scientist. What I do when I become a scientist? Most probably you become an astronomer. You will be gazing at the stars, just finding out new galaxies, stars. Oh, that's so boring. My toys, my chocolates, they give me more happy. Why, sh why should I leave them to just gaze at the stars? The child never understands. But the scientist who has really started gazing the stars, it is his passion. He knows the joy out of it. I, a, that Swamiji is saying a dog who is very busy in enjoying the food and sees his master, the astronomer, gazing at the sky, the dog thinks he is a mad. What he is doing? So that's our, what's our condition is at present. When we think of losing the individuality, we think it's something horrible. Okay. That's why the scripture says that you, whatever you feel, do that. Do you feel the idea to be at bliss with the idea that you are the Atman, you are the Brahman, or with the idea that you are communing with the divine is something desirable? Well, go for it. Know it for certain as you grow. As for the children, as the children grow, the toys falls off automatically. Here also, the scripture knows very well. They are like the beneficial mother. They say, take this much. When we evolve to that state, the other state comes spontaneously. So we need not bother about it. Let's not fight whether that is desirable or not. That's what we do. We are yet to pass the state of the preparatory stage. And we are just fighting that whether it's good to uh, go for the post-graduation in this stream or that stream. Let us forget. Let us first cross all these preparatory stages. And then the, that stage, that realization for that stage the liking for that state, the urge for that state will come spontaneously. So these are the various states which wonderfully were spoken of as the three Parinamas. And now the 13th Sutra as a conclusion, what they're saying, Aetena, we will just study with that. A few more Sutras as a conclusion will speak of those three Parinamas. That Aetena Bhuta Indriyeshu Dharma Lakshana Avastha Parinama Vyakhyata. That this this Nirodha Parinama, Samadhi Parinama, and Ekagra Parinama, which has already been dealt with till the 12th Sutra, is explained, Vyakhyata, with the help of threefold transformation. What are they? Dharma, Lakshana, Avastha. This is a bit technical, but as the sutras are there, we will just deal with it very quickly. That you know that what this Dharma, Lakshana, Avastha means? With the help, uh, instead of trying to understand with words, example is the best way. Just take water. The water has three states, avastha, three states. What? It can be solid called ice. It can be liquid, the water, or it can be in the gaseous state as the vapor, isn't it? So these are the three avastha. What are the dharma? That as uh, ice, it is solid. As water, it is liquid. The solidity is the dharma, is the characteristic of ice. The liquidity is the characteristic of water. And the gaseous state is the characteristic of the vapor. So these are the three dharma. And lakshana, this lakshana is something important, is a temporal characteristic. That when the water, when the ice is getting converted into water, you're heating up, first you will find that the ice, the temperature of the ice is increasing. A time comes, which we have all studied in the basic science, that is called latent heat. That is, you will find the temperature is no more increasing for some time. But in that, that's the time when the temperature is no more increasing, but this ice is gradually melting, it is becoming water. 
So the heat which was used previously for increasing the temperature is now used to convert the state. So there's a latent heat. So this Lakshana speaks that when you find that the temperature is not increasing, you know. Now this is the time the avastha will change. It will go from the solid state to the liquid state. The same thing happens again when you're boiling the water, the temperature is increasing. When it goes to the 100 degrees centigrade, for some time you will find though you are hitting the temperature is at 100 degrees centigrade, it's not increasing. And then you will find it is getting converted into vapor. Again, that latent heat is there. So this example will help you to understand this dharma lakshana avastha. That the mind also, which we have already studied, had three avastha. What are the three avasthas? Sarvarthata, ekagra, nirodha. It can be distracted, it can be one-pointed, it can be arrested. What are the essential dharma of them? The distraction, one-pointedness, and arrested. Sarvarthata, distraction, that's the dharma, that's the nature of it. Ekagra, one-pointedness, is the dharma of it. And what is the dharma of nirodha state? This is arrested, there's no thought. The Lakshana speaks of that latent state. That when it is temporary, it cannot be there permanently. When the uh, water is liquid, it is its permanent state. But when from water it is becoming vapor, there are some temporary characteristics. What is that? That's a latent heat is a temporary characteristic. The temperature is not increasing. That shows you that now the change is going to happen. Similarly, if you find that habitually now and then your mind has started enjoying that solitude, that though you are quite busy, but you sometimes get busy, you get tired of being busy. You feel, let me just sit down and let my mind calm down and you enjoy it. That's the Lakshana. You're, gradually your mind is changing right from Sarvarthata to Ekagrata. That's the attenuation of the distraction and occasionally it is going to deep concentration. So these are temporary indications. When your mind becomes habituated in the Samadhi, then again, this habitual characteristic will fall off. Now the samadhi, the samadhi will become the natural state. But when you find that mind is becoming more and more concentrated, that gives you the indication that the change is happening. So that's the Lakshana. And why it has been told? Because there is some sutra coming after this, which will indicate that just by seeing a person, you can foretell that, that what transformation is going to happen. That the young Naren, Narendranath, extremely restless. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a child, extremely restless. But whenever he hears the name of Lord, suddenly he goes, becomes very calm. Swam so Narendranath, so restless that it's almost impossible to control him. There were three caretakers to take care of him because the mother was, used to get tired. But the mother at last found out a wonderful way. When, when Naren is extremely restless, somehow get hold of him and pour water on his head, repeating the name of Shiva, he becomes calm. Lakshana. This shows what he's going to be. So that's being indicated in this sutra. So this, that this parinama which are happening, this goes through these three states, dharma, avastha, lakshana, which will gradually, which speaks of the gradual transformation, which is bound to happen in near future. So it's a bit technical uh, sutra, but with the help of example, we are just trying to understand what actually it intends to uh, say. The 14th sutra, again, that, that also is a continuation of that. Shanta Udita Avyapadeshya Dharma Anupati Dharmi. Dharmi. Dharma Dharmi means the characteristics and the one whose characteristic it is. So the here dharmi means the mind. The mind has three dharma, three characteristics. Shanta, that when it is changing from one state to the other, the previous state is becoming more and more shadowed. Udita, the new state is rising. But it doesn't happen just in one go. Avya Pradesha speaks of that Latin transformation. The gradual it is happening, it's not visible. But a gradual Latin transformation from the Shanta to Udita is happening. It doesn't mean that this mind, this mind is different from that mind. It is the same mind, the Dharmi, the same Chitta. From one state is becoming subdued, the other state is rising. So this Dharmi is the, the, that's the thing which we have spoken just now. It's the same mind, as Sri Ramakrishna says. When it was 
uh, that when the uh, cat was in the jungle in the forest it was a wild cat i tamed it the same cat becomes a domesticated cat so it is a dharmi the chitta the same chitta which goes through this gradual transformation of shanta udita and between the shanta and udita how this shanta is becoming udita through that state of latent transformation of vyapa desha so we studied in details we don't need not again elaborate on it it will now become quite clear to you what actually speaking of the 15th sutra the next with which the discussion of this three transformation will be concluded for the time being kramanvayatam parinama annatve hetu this succession of changes krama annatyam is the cause of the manifold evolution of the mind the mind evolves is by the successive changes so you cannot just think of jumping there cannot be so called a sudden jump from this distracted state to that concentrated through the successive state kramanvayatam gradually it will go to that ultimate state after saying this now uh, what will be spoken of is uh, that which for which this chapter has been named as vibhuti pada vibhuti pada means the super normal the supernatural powers if you divert your concentration from the ultimate to something small trivial you may develop some supernatural powers so after discussing these three types of parinama the first sangyama they speak of is focusing on the parinama and what it will the what the result will ensue that supernatural power will ensue that is being indicated in the 16th sutra let us read it and then we will go to the discussion parinama traya samyamat now by doing samyama on parinama traya this that we just which we studied that how the mind gradually is transforming if you do sangyama if you concentrate on your your mind on that then what happens atita anagata gyanam atita the past anagata the future everything is revealed the example just now we gave that the child narendranath extremely restless the mo- the mother utters shiva shiva pours water immediately becomes calm goes to a deep state of absorption with the friends he is playing and one day they decide why not we just try to just have a game of meditation just we will sit quietly they were all sitting quietly in the meditative posture and suddenly from nowhere a snake came all other mates they were scared they started running hither and thither and they were shouting snake snake get up and run and they found that young narain sitting motionless no sign of any external awareness the snake though doesn't bite him just leaves the place but they were all terrified and they were amazed that why how come he never ran because he was totally oblivious of the surrounding even as a small boy just playing meditation he goes to that deep meditation so these are the lakshanas that which we just now spoke spoke of which speaks of his future and that's why we find that samyama as ramakrishna is already and established in samadhi so wherever wherever he directs his mind immediately he gets the knowledge of that so here when he sees naren very interesting the first description is wonderful that naren for the first time came with his friends they were all just the college friends all just chit chatting all were normal but somehow ramakrishna among them realized who is he saw that this boy though he is behaving just like any other boy but one thing he noticed his hair was disheveled he was not bothered about his draw this uh, dress whether it is his properly dressed the hair was disheveled the others were all you know were properly dressed with their properly groomed somehow they find that he is not bothered about his external look not only that he saw that the his eyes that large eyes are indrawn and immediately he recognized that he that the words in the uh, that our uh, ramakrishna's life that ramakrishna was amazed to see that such a soul amongst the the commoners of the in the huge crowd of the calcutta that all have nimno drishti 
all are totally engrossed in the sensitive pleasures of life. And he was amazed to see a, such a pure soul among them. Immediately recognized how the one who has went to that realization when he's diverting his mind just to see at the, as if the inner being of the person immediately it gets revealed, immediately picks up. That's why we find that how nicely Ramakrishna is as picking up from among the common young boys, the one who are really going to transmit his message. That how that power comes? Because he can see the future. How he can see the future? Just by the Lakshana. He had wonderful ways. He will just weigh the hand or some other physical indications by which these Lakshanas, he will come to know that what his real trait is. Outwardly, they may look like just an any ordinary boy, young boy. And that's how he used to choose. Sometimes someone just seeing Ramakrishna's Samadhi told, just started what's immediate that uh, a spontaneous excitement came and started just shouting, Oh Lord, please bless me. And Ramakrishna is whispering to other, Tar hoyche. Means it is not going to happen. He immediately understood that it is a temporary excitement. It is not meant for him. So that's how that avastha, it is not that just uh, that uh, the temporary excitement you get and it is going to transform your life. It speaks of certain traits which becomes visible to a person who is already adept in deep contemplation. He changes that contemplation just to find out your nature, it gets revealed. And that's why we find that those who are a real guru, you will find that that the disciples that the, uh, are all sincere. The true sign of a guru is what type of disciples he have. Sometimes you will find that, that an organization has been formed, many are thronging, but in a very short time, you find a lot of scandals are coming up. That speaks what? That no one can understand others' mind. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say very nicely, that apparently, the water may appear clean. For any, any shallow pond you go, the, apparently the water is clean. Just you uh, shake it a little, all the dirt, all the mud will start coming out and it will just simply uh, make the water look dirty. That cleanliness is gone. So for most of us, our mind is that shallow. It needs to be just stirred a little and all the dirt starts coming out. So that's the thing that Sri Ramakrishna with his spiritual power can. Notice we are giving this example because this example will prove that these are just not meant for some academic purpose, that these are possible in the lives we have seen. And it is a truth, any of this spiritually illumined soul you will find, just by seeing the Lakshana can indicate that what uh, that uh, this future destiny is there waiting for him. It's not just that they are biased, it's only as per our capability, they just help us. They just pick up and help us to progress farther. So, Parirama Traya Sangyamat Atita Anagata Gyanam. That's what's going off in the 16th. The 17th Sutra is very interesting. Uh, what it speaks of Shabda Artha Pratyayanam Itareta Adhyasat Shankara Tat Pravibhaga Samyamat I don't know whether you've heard of, there are nowadays many who can understand the language of the animals. The animals also can communicate. I don't know whether you have heard of Anna Breitenbeck. You can search in the internet. You'll find wonderful. That lady looks spiritual. Just she's communicating with any animals. And uh, she can know their problem. And sometimes, you know, instead some animal which has become like predator, she can make them go back to the forest. So there's no need to kill that animal. She can communicate with them. She understands their language. And she's actually called by various organizations because she has really solved the problem. There was no need to kill the animal. She could somehow communicate with them and change their ways. Once she knows their problem, she will relate it to others. And that way they take some measures by which that there can be some peace that she, that, that animal need not go on uh, attacking the human beings. 
and that way she is actually a well shot after this animal communi commu uh, this uh, communicative uh, communication for animal communication she is a very well known figure anna breton back so this rutagyan ruta means to understand the language of anyone so what they are saying very interesting these words these sutras are really want very scientific the thousands of years back we are really amazed to know that they really have went deep into the psychology what they are saying शब्द अर्थ प्रत्ययानाम इतरेत अध्यासात लेट अस ट्राई टू अंडरस्टैंड पार्ट बाय पार्ट शब्द अर्थ प्रत्यय वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग वी थिंक विदाउट लैंग्वेज वी कैन नॉट कम्युनिकेट बट वी फॉरगेट वी ऑल एज ए चाइल्ड व्हेन वी वर बोर्न वी हैड नो लैंग्वेज वी न्यू नो लैंग्वेज वी लर्न द लैंग्वेज हाउ वी लर्न द लैंग्वेज just by observing it's very interesting it's not the language comes first and then the knowledge first by observation you learn the language and then the knowledge starts dawning in what's the process just take an example that the small child is highly very intensely observing what he is observing when he is speaking of the language his mind is something very fast everything is just observing and collecting very fast just in 3 2 3 years it lang it learns so much language for us to learn a language what we do that in my mother tongue suppose a word is there what's its equivalent in other term that's how we learn but the child has nothing to refer to no language how is learning the language so i suggest give a common example you hold a flower in a one hand and say flower now he is observing nothing else he with his ear he hears the word flower with his eyes he is seeing the flower and now he associates this to what is this words let us try to understand shabda when you say flower this is the shabda what is the artha the flower in your hand is the artha what is pratyaya unless you know these terms it is very difficult to understand this sutta you will find very interesting pratyaya means the way it is reflecting in your mind to give a very common example our mind is constantly breaking into thoughts this th the thoughts are the vrittis they are like waves and what's the knowledge whatever is getting reflected on that wave the content of the wave is knowledge when a flower is there externally the waves of my mind is reflecting the flower the reflection of the flower in the mind is the knowledge that's what i know so pratyaya is the knowledge so what how the knowledge is coming through the ears the word shabda is entering through the eyes i am seeing the flower which is something outside artha is outside shabda is also coming from outside pratyay is something which is coming from within the knowledge that this is known as flower so by observing gradually he is picking up the language but when he is picking up what is happening now very interesting now there need not be any flower you just say the word flower what will happen the baby will understand the child will understand what flower is immediately though the flower is not there he will understand what the flower is isn't it he will understand immediately and just the opposite also that if just he sees the flower now immediately the word flower will be just something reverberating in his mind flower so now previous till he learned the language he was knowing without language the world now once the language comes into picture it's in a way it's learning but in a way it has its limitation how we will just try to understand this is the word here shabda artha pratyanam itarita adhyasat that any knowledge is actually synchronization of these three shabda artha pratyaya synchronization that's how the learning happens all the learning so in the language of modern psychology what it is that for any learning when the child is learning what is happening your mind the brain which is an organ of the mind is getting wired up so learning is nothing but the wiring of the brain and how the brain gets wired in the language of modern psychology in the modern of neurology the neurons that fire together wires together so here what are the firing this what's neurons which are firing through your ear the word flower that is firing certain neurons your audible neurons through your eyes you're perceiving that flower 
for that flower. So that is this uh, that's visual perception and this audible perception. These, the neurons which are responsible for these two, they fire together and they get wired. So this is Sankara. The word Sankara, now you will understand. Shankara means the synchronization, the conglomeration of these various neurons to enable the learning. So that's how the child, for the child's brain is very, very flexible. It's constantly learning and unlearning. It's just like a garden. In a garden, you know that when you find something is unwanted, you prune. And otherwise, you will be just sowing the seeds which has to grow. That's what the child's mind is. Highly observant. When it is observing something, there are no biases. That For us, whenever I'm seeing something, I always try to refer it to something which I already know. That creates the bias and that limits my knowledge. For the child, the mind is something very free from all those preconceived notions. So it is very quickly learning the things, wiring up. And that in a way is uh, something which is helping me to learn. But again, it has some disadvantage. As I already start learning, this wiring becomes so hard. Now it becomes very difficult to really rewire it. So some, so if I have learned from my childhood Bengali, if someone speaks in Tamil, immediately my mind will repel. I don't understand why. But actually as a child, for me, whether it was Bengali or Tamil, the way of learning was just hearing the words. What I was doing, I was taking each of them, the separate things, and then synchronizing them. If I can do it throughout my life, if I can keep them separate, and just for the sake of learning against conglomerate them, then any language becomes something easily understood in very short time. So though there is an advantage in the process, so what happens for the child, that how the rewiring happens. Now I'm holding, just again, we can go back to the example. I'm holding a flower and I say flower. He learns the word flower. Now few, after he learns the word flower, now again, I hold the flower and in Sanskrit, I say pushpa. The child gets a bit uh, confused. What it is that till now I knew this flower. But the child's mind is very, very flexible as we told. If you say very quickly, he starts that, that that which is flower is again pushpa. It can, the child can learn many languages in short time because it's open. It is all encompassing. Okay. So that which is known as flower in some other language is known as pushpa. Why it is learning? Because it is not resisting. When you say me something in Tamil, Immediately, I just resist because I feel that it is, I have my language to communicate. What is the need to know that? Let us go for some common language, English, by which we can understand. We never try like a child to really understand what he's saying. A child is just trying to understand what he's saying in such a short time. In just two years, you will find the child has started speaking. And we may take years together to learn a language because we get so much conditioned with what I have learned. Now you will find these simple words are so important. Ramakrishna used to say, Jabot bachi tabot shikhi. As long as I live, so long do I learn. If we can keep the mind open just like a child, instead of that taking the wiring as if the uh, only knowledge which I have, not I don't go for rewiring, the learning stops. Or this, or the wiring which we got from our uh, preliminary learning, that becomes something permanent and we stop learning. But if we can continue the process that where this Shankara, this synchronization can happen again and again. For that, what is required? First, you have to be silent. Silent means not that I stop talking. All the noise of the mind has to be stopped. Even when you are with an animal. And that how can you stop all the talks which are going on in your mind? By being really compassionate. That it's not my opinion. From, let me try to understand from their standpoint. So I have to be all receptive. The compassion, empathy speaks of that. That generally we always blame a person who is not behaving properly, who is a criminal. To give a common example, one who became a serial killer was in jail. And when he was asked, interviewed, we all will hate such a person. But when he was interviewed, you will find that you can develop a sympathy even for a serial killer. What is saying? That see, I was brought up in such an environment. What's the environment? That we were refugees. We were growing up in a refugee camp. 
as all were from the disturbed family, the somehow that violence was something, something where was their nature because they went through so much of this turbulation. Now, this child is saying that, for the, uh, that when I used to go to my school in that uh, refugee area, all were the refugees, all these refugee children were coming. And as usual, like any other school, there were some who were with strong, who, were, who always used to boss over others. And on my birthday, my father gave me a watch. I wore that watch and went to the school and the others started bullying me, but give that watch. First, I took it very lightly. They're just, it is just a word. They don't mean it most probably. And now the boy started saying, if you don't give the watch me immediately, I will stab you. That also didn't take seriously. He thought this is just mere words. And suddenly from nowhere, he brought out a knife and really stabbed him. He was profusely bleeding. He was scared, most probably out because of bleeding him, he's going to die. So he ran from his school back to his house so that his father may take care of his wound. Seeing him bleeding, father went inside the house. He thought most probably father went inside to help him with the first aid. But instead, what his father did, he brought a knife and gave it to the child and told, go back immediately and stab the boy who stabbed you. So this is how he was brought up. So now what you can expect from such child? Are you really going to hate him? Or if you just think in a different way that I am blessed, I was brought up in a family which was quite stable, which had good values. If I was in his position, if I was born in his place, can I assure that I would have been the same saintly person as he, as I profess to be? Is not the environment also a big factor? Is not that 99% um, that chance I would have been the same person who is? So this empathy comes when you are opening your shoes and trying to wear other shoes and know where it pinches. And from the end, that speaks of opening up your mind to really relate with your that's love and compassion. That's why you will find when the child has not started speaking, the mother understands everything of the child because there's love, compassion. She's open. There's no need for language. She understands everything. In the life of Holy Mother, for the first time when she went to South, very interesting. She was a Bengali, she knew no other language. In South, the South Indians in Bangalore, they were all South Indians. They were speaking the, the Kannara language. When Holy Mother was there, all this Holy Mother, what they were speaking, they were just nodding their head. A Brahmachari, he thought that no one is understanding. So he tried to interpret. He told, okay, okay, let me just, what mother is saying, let me tell you. The moment that this Brahmachari started, this novice Brahmachari started interpreting, all got annoyed. They said, stop, we understand what mother is saying. So this love, compassion is the thing which is the real communication happens, where you open up, you're fully observant. You try to just relate to that person and you will find then, you with preconceived notions, you are not with your biases, with your preconceived notions, you are not trying to judge someone else. You are not any more judgmental. You are just trying to accept that person as he is. And then the wonder happens. There's no need for language. The child doesn't need a language to explain the mother what it needs. And that's again in the Holy Mother's life, it's a wonderful example. There's Swami Atulananda, Gurudash Maharaj. He was, he's the first. Westerner who heard Swami Vivekananda's lecture. Later he used to say, I don't remember what he told, but I felt as if a lion is just going up and down the stage. And then I thought that what makes him uh, just appear like a lion? His height is not something great. Like there are so many Westerners, even much taller than him, much physically built, but there is some aura which gives that, you know, like that, that, that feeling that he is a lion among men. And that's the only, that's impression I remember, nothing else I remember. And later when the other Swamis came, just being influenced by Swami Vivekananda, I started visiting the other Swamis. He met Swami Turiyananda, Swami Abhedananda, and gradually he came into this Ramakrishna fold. And at last he came to India. And now the question of initiation came. That when he really wanted to start spi the spiritual journey. So he, that time, Holy Mother was still living. 
So all this directed him towards Holy Mother to take the initiation. And he was initiated by the Holy Mother. Very interesting. In his old age, he was in Kankhal. The other brahmacharis used to come and just used to have his holy company. He was a very evolved soul. There are so many books. If you read, you will find that uh, that how uh, wonderfully he got these spiritual uh, vibrations that he has inculcated and he has evolved. It's a wonderful book, The Atman Alone Abides. It's, it's only his talks only. There are so many books. So this Atulananda, when he was old, the brahmacharis used to gather around him in Kankhal. One day, one brahmachari asked a very interesting question that you got initiated by the Holy Mother, isn't it? Yeah. At the time of initiation, no one is there. You were there and Holy Mother was there. She instructed you. She knew nothing apart from Bengali and you uh, knew nothing of Bengali. How you understood what she instructed? And Atulananda's reply was wonderful. In what language a small, this infant, communicates with the mother in what language that was atula nandaji's reply so this is the thing which speaks of this wonderful communication which is possible if we are really empathetic this empathy is the thing which we are lacking after the first world war when someone came to holy mother and gave the news what's the news Oh, it's already time. A lot of I have just actually today the watch was not there. I have seen this. Sorry, just but this is incident. I will stop the class. But what's the news? That there, there is a peace treaty. There's, there's some United Nations have been formed. There's a peace treaty that there won't be any war. Immediately, what Holy Mother replied is, it's just the word of the lips. She, the one who is uh, totally uh oblivious of the world politics. She knows nothing of it. Immediately she says that. It's just the word. It's not coming from the heart. That's the thing we lack. If we could relate to the world through empathy, there's no need of any language. Just the way the mother and the child to communicate doesn't need any language. And that's, you. See, if you get time, see some videos of this wonderful lady, this Anna Breitenbeck. Uh, this B-R-E-Y-T-E-N-B-A-C-H, Breitenbach, Anna Breitenbach, you will find that her appearance itself speaks of some like a spiritual person, so full of compassion. And she's communicating with animals, animal communicator. And it is for a purpose. It is not just to show the world that she can communicate. It's actually bringing peace. It's bringing understanding with the animal world and the humans. And these are the sutras which speak of that. So, so with this, we stop our discussion. Again, we will continue from the next sutra, again in the next class. Thank you all. Namaskars.